1: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Disaster Girls podcast. I am Quarantine your Edition. Quarantine Sorry. Edition. Quarantine <laughs> Edition part 3. <laughs> I think it's Quarantine Edition part 3. Yep. Yeah. Um uh with really I mean everything and nothing could be said about the movie we're going to talk about this week. Uh me, Jordan Cruciola, with my co-host, me, Amanda Smith. Yes. And Amanda, what are we, what the hell are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Krakatoa, East of Java. (laughs) Krakatoa, East of Java. I mean, no, Jesus bleeding Christ. This movie is, it feels like an Italian, it feels like one of those Italian-American co-productions from the 1970s where no one was trying and the dubbing Is terrible, and I say dubbing because this movie is in English. But the ADR is seemingly so poorly aligned with with the mouth movements that people are making to speak, and an utterly uncharismatic leading man who seems to only exist for some sort of, I guess, international appeal of the film. Uh, How how about telling us? Yeah, one can briefly say what this movie is about despite it having about four plots uh so i can tell you what the
0: movie was about and i can tell you what i can tell you what the movie was about and then i and then there's other shit that happened and that's really how you break this movie down god this movie was about a boat that is going to go on an expedition out off the coast of krakatoa the volcano to find um a sunken ship that theoretically has a huge stash of priceless pearls on it. Um, And it is a ragtag group of kind of the odds and ends of the odds and ends of the earth,
1: essentially. There's a father and son who are balloonists.
0: And And they missed
1: the the tour de France to be on this treasure hunting expedition. Yeah, Yeah. A father and Um, son, allegedly, when I'm definitely going with older man and his kept boy...
0: I I mean I definitely got a I, I think that was a father-son duo. We just
1: didn't get enough
0: information on them.
1: I mean um, I will get to I will get to my evidence for this matter, but Giovanni Borghese and Leon Cavallo Borghese yeah. were, to my mind, definitely fucking and this <laughs> movie came out in nineteen sixty eight. So we couldn't I mean when they're well- traveling fancifully via hot air balloon And Leon Cavallo keeps saying saying, Papa, Papa. And it was like, oh, not only do you not look alike, he looks like a boy you found on an expedition to a Mediterranean archipelago and brought back home with you, Giovanni. I will will go with the Papa thing because it was such a
0: like, we're going to code them as immigrant types. So immigrants, like American boys call their, their father dad, but immigrants call them Papa.
1: Like, like, I immigrants to where? Immigrants to wear. Like, immigrants to totally wear. This was such a weird multi. Maximilian Schnell, who plays yeah. the captain, is on this boat with the Borgeses, and also with like a salty laudanum addicted American diver, and his f- saloon girlfriend. Yeah, in the form of Brian Keith and Barbara Worley. Like, I immigrants from where? Like that implies that this like, this boat I has a say- nation. I would say immigrants in in the world of like, and um, to an American
0: audience, coding it to an American audience of they're foreign. Um, in the same way that like every time that we got the girls, the Japanese girls who were divers, because there was a group of these three pearl divers who are I mean three the, the racially
1: women. ambiguous e- Asian girls who were referred to as the Chinese girls who at one point are doing a a Filipino traditional folk dance and, yes. one is and named who speak toshio. in japanese and one is named toshio yeah. so yeah. you know pan asian description for the free diving four women on the ship yes.
0: so exactly so that's why i'm saying like i i i didn't i didn't stop when he called him papa i didn't think anything of it and they and they bickered like father and son
1: and or, honestly you know like child lover and older man
0: i just think that's a hard sell to be like come leave this mediterranean island with me to go be balloonist like you couldn't sell that in a movie and like they couldn't do the hot air balloon
1: movie successfully i don't think you can you just you just undermined the entire financial benefit of the may december romance what young man living a beach life would leave that island for an older man who's clearly fucking rich and is going to keep him for the rest of his life we don't get the sense that they're rich though I think they are. I think these are moneyed people who want more money. Who's Who else is a fucking balloonist who says, I missed the Tour de France for this? I got the sense they were almost like carnival folk. They are the flying Borge, Borge, whatevers. Borghese.
0: Borghese. I'm sorry, I kept hearing bolognese in my head the whole time, so it's just not, <laughs> it was not
1: going to work, no matter what. Amanda, uh, coming in with the Italian slurs. It's
0: not an Italian slur. <laughs> I just, in my head, kept being like, oh, it's not bolognese, it's Four gaze-y. Four gaze-y. And then I kept, <laughs> in my head, in the same way that I think that it's it's Toby Keebler. I just was like oh, it's, Toby Kebble. Yeah. I just oh. was like, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's Bolognese. Um is how I kept reading it when I was reading the Wikipedia article on this. So I was like,
1: there has to be an explanation for this movie, and there is not.
0: I Come derailed back, way, you,
1: Java And I derailed you even talking about it. So yeah. my yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just worked up about this.
0: It was you're more worked up. I gotta say,
1: like You came in a lot
0: hotter than I expected because this movie was not good, but it wasn't, it wasn't to me as bad as you're coming in hot on it. Um, And there were parts of it that was like, it was almost, I was like, okay, clearly we're not getting a disaster movie here. The closest we're coming to disaster is when the hot air balloon almost goes into the volcano, but instead the volcano like
1: helps it. I mean, it definitely goes into the caldera of Mount Krakatoa before Krakatoa ejects it with like a sulfur burst. Yeah, setting it a little, setting it aflame.
0: Yeah, Um, no, I, I, okay, so anyway, so it's, they are, there's a a motley crew on this ship, Um, and among the various plots, here's what we've got. We have the father, son, and or older lover, younger lover, we're gonna be divided on this one, Uh uh, combination. In addition to the father-son duo, we've also got the ship's captain who is there with his girlfriend who is actually married. Her name is Laura. She recently is freed from a mental institution. Um, And she is the one who has informed the captain that her husband has a sunken ship full of pearls that are priceless. So she's the one who's, like, sending them on this quest um, but also, she might be crazy. They're not hundred percent clear. Like no. no one's. People are asking if whether or not she's hallucinated this whole thing. Yeah. Um, there is the diver whose lungs are shot, and in order to deal with it, he is taking large doses of laudanum, which is basically an opioid. It's hero-
1: It's essentially uh, liquid opium, or like a morphine. Yeah, like um, if you if you oh. watch Tombstone, yeah, Wyatt Earp's wife is a is like a or habituate addict of the same nature. By the way, should mention, this whole movie is set in like
0: 1883. This is not a modern film. I feel like that's something that we should, because you don't really, you're like watching it, you're like, oh, these clothes don't seem particularly modern, but also, you don't really get the sense of when it is. No. And it's even harder when they start discussing the fact that um, Laura asked her husband for a divorce. And her husband said that he was going to sue her for custody. And you're like, those are all 1969 words. Those are not 1883 words. Anyway, so we've got them. Um, There's also down in the hold of the ship, there
1: are a whole bunch of prisoners just there. Um, The government just ordered the ship to transport them someplace. Yeah.
0: And there is uh, an expert like... Die like guy who made a diving bell so that people can go down and he can scout the seafloor uh but oh. he doesn't really do anything and i think that's all of the subplots
1: well then there's also the fact that Laura abandoned her son to oh. go be with Captain Chris and that's going to become a real big deal in the last third of this it, movie i thought her husband took the son and then well, she, she w- bled she walked out like he's like yeah. if you divorce me I'm gonna take your son. You never if you leave me, I'm gonna take your son, I'm never gonna you're never gonna see him again. And she said, Go to hell. So oh, then he walked out on she, her, yeah. took the kid. So she keeps in her fight with Chris, where he has just given her the third degree, where he's trying to figure out whether or not her marriage is over and they're gonna be together. She keeps shouting at him about, Did I let him go, Chris? Did I I let him go, didn't I? It's like, yeah, no, yeah, Lori did. Like this you, isn't you really this did. actually isn't no matter how you feel about it. That part's not up for conversation. You did indeed let your child go in order to pursue this ambiguously defined relationship with the captain of a steamship who's going to go treasure hunting with you off the coast of Mount Krakatoa, the island of Mount Krakatoa.
0: When you put it that way, it sounds like a bad decision.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What? Just so, you know, we we start in the harbor and... Of, you know, and it's, you're meeting the crew, people are coming yeah. on board, and you're kind of getting a sense of how disorganized this movie is going to be, because the dialogue is terrible, and again, like, the technical issues of things not syncing up, like, flourishing music coming in at odd places, and then you're like, man, I I, I personally felt at the outset I didn't really have the confidence in Captain Chris to be a good leader, considering he sounded like he had just learned every single word he had spoken that morning and was meant to <laughs> instill hope in a crew of people who they were going to go diving for a maybe lucrative shipwreck off of thermo, off of a geoactive island. And what he wasn't is was concerned about Krakatoa, though? He no. had no
0: concerns, but no one had any concerns. No, not a single person was like,
1: hmm, could this be dangerous at any well, point? Laura does ask him the great question when she gets on board. Yes. you've heard about Krakatoa. It's like, Laura, in what sense? historically, <laughs> currently, um geologically, just as a trivia piece, And he, you know, he says, you know, in a broad sweeping statement at one point, it's hardly a raging volcano. It's been dormant for two hundred years, which is, of course, the kiss of death in any disaster movie is to talk about how right. unlikely the disaster is. But I I did I guess I will say the main thing that I did believe about this movie is every stupid decision everyone made. Fully believe I, yeah. everyone would make stupid decisions in this movie. Oh yeah, I had no faith in any of these humans.
0: Like that yeah. was that was a major a major thing for me was I nobody actually I was like oh none
1: of you are capable of making a good or wise choice in life. Yeah. Um, yeah, Charlie I, I, Charlie, however, has one of the great entrances, I feel like, in any of the movies we've we've watched, where she sort of barges into an interaction and declares that she does social occasions, weddings, smokers. And (laughs) I did not look up before this what a smoker is in the context of an 18th century party. But she hosts and organizes them, I suppose. And And she's she's a soprano. And She's a soprano. And for some reason, she is on this trip. I guess just because she wants the cash. No, she's on this trip because she's what's his name's girl. Charlie well, okay. is
0: the laudanum guy's girl, and like they clearly have an established relationship. But that's okay. And
1: so here's a question: I think this gets into a believe mm-hmm. uh, a believability thing too. I didn't, I didn't know whether to believe that there was a relationship because I was unclear whether or not they were just old flames. Um, Henry was it Henry or Harry? Henry. I think it was Henry. Henry the um, junkie diver and um charlie this the social coordinator she goes up to him on the deck of the ship when he is just chugging laudanum and she's surprised by the whole thing she's like are you sick and he's like well i hope so like i hope i you know i hope i won't feel wouldn't feel this way if i was well it's like wait and then she says we don't need you know he's like we need the money she's like we don't need the money that bad and i was like wait a minute Are you currently together? And if so, why do you not know that this man has like a degenerative condition and is also a laudanum addict? Have you not seen each other in years and you're old flames? Are you currently together? What the hell is going on here? Because she was totally taken by surprise at the sudden onset of him being a withered old man when it's like, have you not seen him in 15 years or did you get on this boat with him? I think she got
0: on the boat with him. I just think that, well, one, the exposition on this movie was tremendously ham-handed Wow! Um, it was i mean they just they were just punching us in the face with exposition but then i almost i was like okay maybe what it is is that he's been hiding it up to this point like maybe being at sea being on the boat bothers his lungs like maybe that's why he's hitting it harder because he does seem to get hit pretty hard by
1: like he seems to overdo it yes he does (laughs) one might say he it it, it, we learn that we learn that the laudanum addiction has gone too far when one night uh diver, junkie diver, gets absolutely hammered, goes and falls, like tries to fall asleep in like the hull of the boat, and ends up nearly choking to death. One of the Asian women free divers who's on the ship because he's having some sort of hallucinogenic attack. Yeah, which I before that I really wanted to know more about what was going
0: to happen. He, at the beginning of his hallucinogenic attack, there is he keeps seeing an octopus
1: that screams like a cat.
0: Oh, like and a I was, cat! I want. But yeah, it was it was a cat noise, right? It was a cat
1: meow. Sound, he's like, having like a sound. flashback, or maybe just yeah. a hallucination, where he's underwater and he keeps seeing an octopus coming at him. And I even had the subtitles on, and it said "octopus screeching," and it yeah, kept it said, making oh, yeah. a cat sound. I don't think they make that noise, do they? Octo- octopodes do not, to my
0: knowledge, make that <laughs> sound. That was—I mean—I mean, think they're fairly silent, um, but <laughs> you know. Who knows what happens when you start taking too much laudanum? Uh, but I, I really liked that. I, I, I was like, I want to know more about what happens there. Uh-huh. But it was that nightmare, and I figured because he was having this episode, that it was maybe the first time he'd like really overdone it. Um, do you think that putting him into what is basically a giant bird cage and hoisting him up into the air is the solution? Yes, to getting I do. a man
1: dry. Yes, see justice. I, Thank I God. Feel like that, I feel like that just ends up with the deck covered in vomit. When, I mean, you wash it, you take one of those prisoners up from the belly and you have him wash it right off. When he <laughs> nearly kills the woman and, like, yeah. assaults four crew members who try and get him off of her, we have an immediate cut to, like, the next morning where he's in a wooden birdcage suspended above the deck and people are just watching him swing because he's in ocean jail. And then, <laughs> you know, you watch him spin very, like, tightly in a circle. You're like, yeah, well, I hope you throw up, you bastard. And... Yeah he, like, that. he's up there for, I don't know, maybe a day, and then they take him down and they put him, I guess they just let him go to his sleeping quarters, and Charlie comes in, and he's looking at her, he's like, basically asks her, like, did they talk, you know, did did people talk to you about me? It's like, I mean, dude, what they said yeah. is true. You tried to kill a woman by choking her to death. Like, yeah. what could they have said that would that would be worse than the truth? That whole... Their whole, she was just too good for him.
2: Oh, she was I, way I, too
1: good. When I she's taking care them. of
0: him, when she's taking care of him, and he's like, maybe when we get off the ship, we'll get married. And she's like, okay. And he's like, actually, I was joking. Don't get too excited. <laughs> I'm like, you're not exactly a catch, man. Like, no. What do you? Uh, it, it was like reading a Reddit relationships post. I was like, very what? much so. What? Why
1: are you joking about? You should be. Begging her to take care of you. You're not going to get a better woman than this. You're absolutely not. You're a junk, a sick, a sick junkie whose best days are behind him. Yeah, you're. And you're she's a social coordinator who organizes social gatherings, weddings, and smokers. And, and a soprano. And a soprano. And you should be so lucky, Henry or Harry. I,
0: I know when he said that, I was like, I, I was like, the nerve, the absolute gall <laughs> yeah. of this man. To be like, don't send out the invitations just yet. I'm kidding. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that the other women in your life will be relieved. <laughs> and in that way, it did feel very much like an 18th century period piece. Because it was like, I mean, yeah, I suppose she is just a piece of property to this man in this context. Even if he is like a substance abuser and a bastard. It's like, yep, well, it's the 1800s somethings. Like, I'm sure that... She's considered an old maid and he's still somehow a viable bachelor. I don't think there's a world in which he's a viable
0: bachelor at this point. Even in <laughs> even in the 19th century, he's not a viable ba- he's not a viable option. I think it's just that he's a dick. He is a laudanum addicted dick. Yeah. Uh, but after that point, we really don't get any more like I thought that was setting up for like something later on. It sets up for nothing. It's just like a
1: little vignette.
0: It's yeah.
1: an at sea vignette. It feels like, and, and that's the thing, this movie feels like a, a sing a series of vignettes, the way things yeah. are kind of just, like, smashed together. Like, we have, at one point, um, Connerly, I'll just call him Connerly, I remember his last name, that's the diaper guy, the, the junkie yeah. diaper guy. Connerly is in an altercation with one of the prisoners on the boat. is actually a former crew member, and he approaches the captain and he's like, "Can you let me have deck privileges so I can eat by myself and so I can be in the sunshine?" And the captain's like, "You gonna cause any trouble? Okay, great. Sure, you can stay up on deck." And this guy's a shit stirrer. and so he goes to Connerly and he's like, "Well, you know, it's not really a good. This isn't really a good trip. Like, you do you know the circumstances under which this little sojourno was organized? Meaning." that Laura, the potentially mentally unstable woman, has told her guy, the captain, that there's maybe a bunch of pearls in this boat that belongs to her husband that's wrecked next to a volcano. And while Connor Lee starts yelling at him to get this information out of him, he's shaking him by the collar. And then he's like, what is it? What is it? You gotta tell me. You gotta tell me what it is. Immediately, we just, we did quickest, quickest cut over to the captain into like the you know, captain's chambers at the bottom in the belly of the ship, and he we just see the captain looking basically directly at the camera, and just going, I didn't tell you because it didn't concern you. He like immediately answers the question that Connerly has been screaming into the be- into the the prisoner guy, and then they're suddenly around every treasure hunter on this ship, and we're in the middle of a confab about how this expedition's gonna go. And it's like where? Where did we come from just now?
0: like they were all gathering for dinner. That was they were going to have a they're going to discuss their treasure hunting plans and then have a dinner if not for the the loud noise that happens.
1: There is like the sequence of weird things that happens in after like around this dinner when the captain says like, "Well, it wasn't any of your business talking to the room full of people who it is expressly directly yeah, their, their business. business." Yeah. And then he in front of everybody Looks at Laura, like the source of this information, like the hot tip, and is like, so are there pearls on the ship? And she just looks at him and very blithely just goes, well, there's supposed to be. <laughs> and the look on the maybe best part of this movie was the look on everybody's face when she said that line. Connerly's mouth just fully clasps, hand fully clasps over his mouth. And everyone is like, oh, my God, like just yeah, suddenly I- filled with doubt.
0: I mean, every, everything about it had the vibe of, oh, this guy is super into this woman <laughs> who is having hallucinations. Cool. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And is that, and then, and, a- then and then when he makes it, and then he's like, Go, oh, you can prove it. Do you have the all the pearls that your husband ga- gives you for your, your son's birthdays? And she comes back and she has like this pouch full of pearls that she's been given by her husband. And shows it to everybody as like proof that there's going to that her husband has gotten pearls before so there's going to be more of these pearls on the boat obviously why not but i did i do think that you know in terms of like lessons we've learned from disaster movies um in addition to the one of don't go to a party if the band only knows one song i I would generally
1: just don't go to a party on a boat yeah i would also argue don't don't
0: have dinner with the captain no good comes (laughs) from having dinner with the captain or the owner that's fair point like the captain, the owner of the hotel, the owner of the building, like just
1: don't have dinner with the guy who's in charge cuz no good comes of that. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. If you get that VIP invite, turn that down. Yeah, and and get out. Like that if you get the VIP invite, it means something bad is about to go down. Now, is it during the dinner that we hear the really loud whistling or is yes. that Okay, so so that's during the dinner, which I do have to say I really that part I
0: did really like. I don't know if it was just because of the acoustics in my apartment, but something about the way the sound was bouncing around my room. It sounded like the sound was coming from everywhere. And my TV, as you know,
1: is very small. So it was not my television's power. So what the, the question here is, like they're down below they're they're preparing to eat dinner. And then they hear mm-hmm. this really loud screaming that honestly sounds like a plane cabin. Like it sounds like a plane yeah. Going into land when things get like especially loud and everything and like, like, like that is like high. high. Pitch screeching. Yeah, like that it sounded a lot like that to me. What the hell was that supposed to be? How is that connected to Krakatoa?
0: I, I don't know what that was supposed to be. Um it was a cool like I I liked it. I don't know if that was supposed to be like steam coming out or
1: something. Resonances of the earth. I don't know. The earth was was just being like, this really hurts. I don't know. Like it, there was ab, there there was it, we were never linked to what the hell that sound even was. And since this isn't a ghost ship movie, it was like, then <laughs> what the shit was that meant to be in the context of Krakatoa east of Java?
0: It was just meant to be an eerie volcano sound. Volcanoes sometimes make eerie noises. Apparently. I mean, there were no scientists on the ship. They also thought that orange fog
1: was normal. I mean, what are we supposed to go with here? Yeah, there are so many red flags to danger that at least to Laura's credit, when they're approaching Krakatoa and there is all that, like, orange fog that seems like a sulfur cloud, and she's like, it feels like we're getting a bunch of warning signs. It's like, yeah, doesn't it, though, Laura? Doesn't this seem like a generally bad idea? So there's the orange smoke, there's the indeterminate loud whistling but then yeah. before that before all this, that before yeah. all that there's a that the, we presumably we see the volcano in the distance fully fucking exploding right like that's what that yeah. was supposed to be yeah. and no one cared no one reacts and they give a bunch of they have a bunch of reaction thoughts of people and they're just dreamily looking at it the you are imagine listeners if you will you are on a boat. You are in open waters. It is nighttime. And you start hearing explosions. So you go to the deck of the ship, and you look out into the horizon, and there is a series of gargantuan explosions coming out of the sea. In the direction you're sailing in. In the direction you are sailing in. And we see the same shot of the explosion played over about eight times. Takes a very long time. Mm-hmm. And nobody nobody is shaken nobody is concerned it's like they walked up to see the fireworks display no one talks about it it's like this is a terrifying and weird thing for you to see in the middle of the ocean why does no one care it would be
0: like if they were sailing past it it would be like if in king kong as they were sailing to Skull Island, there were just increasingly large billboards being like, "Watch out, big ass gorilla, <laughs> yeah. going to come get you." Also, there's dangerous things on this island. Turn back. Nope. And every, no one seems phased at any. No point. one. Every time, even when they get closer to the volcano, when they're there, parked by the shipwreck, and they, the volcano is now like spitting randomly, just it, kind of spitting fire up into the air. Yes. No one. Even
1: looks at it. No one looks twice. They're just like, yep, that's just what happened here. No one is even, like, it's not, no one's even trying to diffuse it with calm. They're just, no one's even reacting to be diffused. It just utterly passes them by. And I was so angry and shocked at every single one of them. It was, it was like they
0: hadn't been told to have a reaction to it. And no one at any yes. point, and no one, no actor at any point thought, maybe I should also do this. Like, maybe in addition <laughs> to, it was one of the things where I thought of it last week when we were talking about um, Black Hole, the Black Hole. And we were talking about how in that one scene where the electricity monster comes out into the control room and the guy, like, vomits on the floor. Yeah. And everyone has a specific action. Yeah. Christy Swanson and Judd Nelson aren't <laughs> given specific action, so they just kind of stand there impassively. Yes. Yes, and it's the same thing with all of these actors. Like no one specifically told them, "Okay, you're gonna scream in response to the volcano erupting." So instead, they all are like, "Well, I'm just not gonna react at all." Yeah, <laughs> I almost wonder if like they weren't told that this movie was going to have a volcano in it, and they decided to add it <laughs> after the fact.
1: I did love. I, I I did love once we get. Because, you know, we're on the ship, the, the there have been explosions, there's been the really weird whistling once we get to near the volcano. I do love that because of the time period, presumably, the way they find the shipwreck, like you mentioned before, yeah. is the hot air balloon. They have to send the expedition balloon to take the high view so they can, in the crystalline blue water, find the the ship on the, the seafloor. And I thought, I loved uh, the little propeller, the little propeller yes. engine pushing the balloon. I thought that was a very adorable touch. It was It was really cute. It was like a little wind-up car, on the, like a <laughs> little wind-up key on the back of a car. And um, like, to the point of no one getting upset, the, the engine stops working, so the balloon gets blown, presumably, by maritime winds across this island. It goes, ascends so yeah. perfectly in an arc to the top of the volcano, goes in to the caldera, where there is fire and lava spitting up below them and a burst of pressure like sends the balloon back over the caldera before they can be burned alive and fortunately as the 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 balloon basket is on fire and they're going down they're going down toward the water so they're able to jump out the Borgeses and save themselves but they too are so unfazed by just yeah. having been in the actual mouth of a volcano yeah, and we don't really see them again and at no
0: point do they get we see them getting back on the boat to be like guys, no. there's a lot of lava in there? Yeah. Like there's nothing. They have seen the inside of the volcano and they're not like guys, we might we might have some concerns here. I mean, I guess we don't see them again cuz they get back on the they get back onto the boat and then we move on from that plot point into other plot points. And so we just don't really <laughs> see them again until well into the rest of the movie when they're like
1: After the mutiny, I think, is the next time we see them. Sorry, the dog is playing with the toy. Um, (laughs) The Borghese's had a moral obligation to tell literally anyone on the ship about what they saw. And nobody, not that anybody would have cared, but they just didn't. And the fact that no one was talking about the obviously exceptional disaster-level things going on around them was just like, look, I get if you're all bad actors... But what about being human beings? Where is there any, didn't anybody look at the director at any point and say, I think I'd be scared. Like, maybe you'd do a bad job at acting scared, but be frightened of something. No, no one was,
0: no one was scared pretty much for the entire movie. And it was almost fascinating because of that lack of fear. It was it was like if somebody were going out into a torrential rainstorm and they had, like, or like into a hurricane and they were holding, like, one of those little delicate,
1: like, <laughs> kind of tiny umbrellas.
0: That was the level of emotion we were getting from
1: all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Just like holding tissues above their heads.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it was, so it was weirdly without consequence. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I think that. So, and then we get the, the, the deep-sea diver, like the yes. guy who was in
1: the diving, the, the diving capsule, the submersible thingy. Which looked like that, a Dalek from Cap from Doctor Who. It looked like a prototype of a Dalek. Yes.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: Um, their, their little diving bell. Yeah. They go down, he goes
0: down in that, doesn't do a whole lot, gets trapped. Um, yeah, I was a unclear, lot of
1: I was unclear on his purpose, the pearler. He was like the pearl diver specialist. And they, it's his bell. So he goes down to the diving bell first and presumably on some sort of reconnaissance, but then yeah, yeah. the captain who finally learns from the shit stirring convict crew member who finally mm-hmm. learns that Connerly is a drug addict and his lungs are shot. Yeah. More and a, his lungs are shot. He's a dangerous choice to go on this, to go on this diving mission The captain confronts him, is like, I'm going to do the dive, like, you're not fit for this. How did anybody need to tell him that this laudanum habit was a problem? This is all happening very much out in the open. I was very surprised at how little Connerly did to conceal his drug habit in conjunction with how surprised literally everyone around him was about the drug habit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, I guess you could, you could, like, people might have thought he was just a drunk. I don't know. We, I mean, again, we never learn enough about him. We never learn enough, really, like, we never go back to anything to know (laughs) after the fact. Like, I'd kind of forgotten by that point, almost. By the time that he he confronts him about that, I'd almost kind of forgotten that he had had that episode. And I
1: was like, oh, right he hallucinated an octopus and tried to kill a woman. His entire character is being an addict. This is the whole yeah. character. And yet no one has the wherewithal. Like when the, when the prisoner guy is talking to him and he points out that like, Oh, the little green bottle, like I'm familiar with that. He's not hiding that. He's taking poles from the bottle in front of this guy. Who knows? Everybody else on the crew already and could very well tell them about his problem and screw up his whole plan to get one last dive in and get Rich off these pearls and then, like, I don't know, maybe retire or something. I just did not not believe that both could be true, that he was this deep into the sauce and that absolutely no one around him knew about it, including apparently his longtime girlfriend Charlie. I
0: I I didn't no know either anything also, in this no movie. one knew anything about anybody. Yeah. <laughs> that was what was amazing. No one knew anything about anybody. It, it was... was I mean how long does how long does uh does does what's this, does the captain interrogate Laura to try to get information about why she's on the boat? Oh like, my god. No one so knows anything long about so long. No one knows anything about anybody. No one's aware that there's a volcano behind them. <laughs> it is chaos, and and yet they don't even and they don't even get pearls off of the damn boat. Like and yet uneventful. Yeah, it was the most, chaotic it was, and yet the, the everything most, was mild. The yes, every the most competent person on that boat was the crew member, the former crew member, prisoner guy who manages
1: to successfully stage a mutiny. A mutiny by like hitting one dude over the head. It was he, really impressive. Yes, while our while the captain and Connerly are diving down into the ship to to investigate to get the pearls, there's like they are first going down. I thought to help out the pearler because the diving bell's oxygen t- tube got hung up on some coral and got cut, so they have to go down. I thought they were going down to free him. Well, I think they do that first. They do. They go down to free him, but then instead of ensuring he safely gets back to to surface and on the yeah. boat. They just keep on a swimming to the shipwreck <laughs> while the free divers hop in the water and are seemingly submerged trying to get this guy back up again. The Perler Rig- Rigby for like 15 minutes. And you know what? I believe in them. So I believe they held their b- breath for an inhuman amount of time trying that to hey, save yes. his life while, while the captain and the junkie diver go scouting around in a downed ship for pearls. I remember when they pulled him up from the bell and they get him on the surface, I was like, wait, wait, wait. The captain didn't even wait to see if that guy was gonna live or if something worse was gonna happen to him. He's just like, I'm gonna go look for the treasure now. And wisely, like you said, demonstrating rare competence in this movie, the the prisoner crew member stages his mutiny when the most vital people are off the ship. That was a good idea. It was a good that that
0: was actually a good plan and well executed. And if not for the fact that the captain eventually comes up onto the ship and uses a power hose to wash all of the crew, all of the mutinous
1: um, like captives away, and he always- also he gets onto the deck of the boat. The captain does. He comes up. He's getting hoisted up. He realizes the deck is filled with convicts. Yeah. He gets like dropped right into the middle of it. Brandishes a gun. That I guess was in his diving suit with him, and like threatened. He's like holding it to. He's like pointing it at the the convicts to hold them off. One guy, again in a great moment in this movie, in its silliness, a guy jumps at him and he shoots him mid <laughs> air right in the Out, gut, yeah, like a clay pigeon. <laughs> yeah. And then, despite being wildly outnumbered by the convicts who could overwhelm him and fully take over this ship, the captain picks up a hose, a high pressure hose that they, I guess, wash like the deck off and stuff with and just hoses down the convicts until they all eventually flee the ship by diving in the water. And that problem is just solved. No one tries to climb back up on the boat again. They're just in the water now. That's it. They're just going to die in the water from when the volcano goes up. And I totally, totally did not believe those convicts would not have fought harder to keep that but we've seen con air we know what a group of prisoners together is capable of in yeah. the name of taking back their freedom on a vessel and they could have done so much more
0: i i did not believe for a second that one man could stop the entire like that one man could do what the entire group of people who were in the hold underneath could not nope just was not no. there for it
2: absolutely it's crazy, not. Though,
0: because when you think about this movie for a second because as i was like As I said, the sentence, you know, and then the mutiny. (laughs) It's
1: crazy when you think about what happens in this movie before Krakatoa erupts. And also, we don't get the real Krakatoa eruption till an hour and ten minutes into this hour and forty-five minute movie.
0: Which made me think of Avalanche because you don't get the but Avalanche, like you get so many storylines that you see grow and develop, and you get a lot of different things that, like, you could. You do have a lot of different characters, but they're and you get the sense of what's going on in all their storylines versus you here do. where you've got like let's go through this for a second. There's a hot air balloon goes into a volcano. Yep. Guy gets his diving bell caught
1: on some coral. Yep. There's a mutiny. There's like a There's s- a nameless there's- nameless explosion that is probably yeah. Krakatoa off the like on the horizon from the boat. Yep. There's that. There's um There's the the ash or smoke cloud. There's the oppressive heat. There's the oppressive heat that is referenced at the beginning of the movie and only delivered upon for like one moment when a crew member throws buckets of water on the prisoners in the hole because they're like cooking to death in the belly of the ship. So there's the extreme weather. There's so many things that theoretically happen in this movie, and yet nothing happens in this movie. And, (laughs) And nobody, and at only one point, when we get to twist there will be a tsunami only yes. w- only then do people react with any sense of urgency to yeah. the cascading series of disasters yeah yeah and at that point when the when there was when there was the thing of the tsunami i was like well at least jordan will be happy she gets a double disaster out of it i will say that tsunami for like the time period and the way they do mm-hmm. that looked awesome yeah. yeah, that was, like, a world-ending-looking wave. And the way they, like, used perspective to make it look like it was the biggest water, like, act of God that has ever existed, that it was going to overtake this, you know, town, the city of Anger, Uh, that was super cool. And the tsunami, I liked watching the volcano explode millions of times, and they would just replay the footage over and over again, and I yeah. loved the tsunami. Yeah, the I thought like granted they like,
0: even though they did show the same thing over and over again, the visual yeah. effects on it were amazing. It did look cool. Those were it, real. It, it, it got it. It did get. A, I think it got nominated for an Academy Award for best um, for uh, visual effects. Honestly, it, really, I think that's,
1: so. That's a fact. Uh, I think I remember seeing that. That Come is. On, let me double check. it. Honestly, like I cannot decide what is more offensive: this movie being possibly attached to the awards. Academy Awards or Suicide Squad definitely <laughs> being attached to the Academy Awards. That is horrendous.
0: In fairness, in ninety, it was sixty nine. In fairness to sixty nine, like, yeah, I bet that that was a pretty good special effect for nineteen. Like that tsunami was a pretty good special effect for nineteen sixty nine. I, I mean, I, do it was, we it was know? Probably impressive.
1: I mean, two thousand one, a space odyssey won in nineteen sixty nine. So clearly, there was cooler shit happening. I would love. To, I'm going to investigate whatever the four other movies were, three other movies in addition to Krakatoa East of Java that were nominated that year, just to see if uh, they really had to scrape the bottom of the movie barrel.
2: So there were only two movies nominated this year. Uh, Krakatoa East of Java being one. The movie that won is Marooned, um, which is a movie that somehow I haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> it, it looks like everything I would ever want to watch It's a space movie directed by John Sturgis Starring Gregory Peck, Richard Crenna, David Jansen uh, And Gene Hackman
1: Wow, if wow. this is a space disaster movie It sounds like one we might be putting on the docket in the future uh, I mean, it, Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
1: We, know, we know how I love to go off about Gene Hackman Preacher Gene yeah, can't it's, wait to get some space spaceman gene. It's about
2: three <laughs> astronauts who are trapped and slowly suffocating in space.
1: That's a disaster. Oh God! Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Spaceman space Gene, spaceman Gene, <laughs> let's go. Can't wait. The Gemini Gene. Yeah. Um, but yes. Okay. So after after the um, after the after the mutiny is suppressed, uh, <laughs> rapidly. Uh, a save has been brought up to the deck, which actually is just an armoire. An armoire has been brought up onto the deck of of the steamship from the wreck below. And in it they find a captain's log and nothing else. And a watch. so and watch, and nobody. Cares. Yeah, no but
0: one like they, starts yelling. Everyone just sort of resigns themselves to the fact that they've wasted all their time.
1: <laughs> they, th- I mean, the Bourguignons missed the Tour de France for this. They and no longer have a hot air balloon. <laughs> it, ju- it just got annihilated by Krakatoa. And for how concerned they were at that awkward dinner for whether or not there would be pearls in yeah. the moment when they found out there were no pearls. They were all so sanguine about it, yeah, which, which here's here's where we pivot into a new storyline, though, reading the captain's log to to Captain Chris's credit, which I didn't know that I would ever give him any, in the beginning of the movie when he is absolutely grilling Laura about the specifics of how her husband walked out on her, having the most vague but angry conversation possible, and she tells him like, he walked out on me, he took our son, like, oh my God, did I let my boy go. He, to his credit, tells her, in that pretty little head of yours, we will always be guilty if we do not find Peter. Because this is 18th, the 18th century. If your kid walks out on you, if your husband walks out on you with your kid and just disappears, you can't Google, you can't text. Like, it's like, shit, I guess they're gone forever. And so Captain Chris promises her, like, we're gonna find your son. So once they realize there are no pearls, but they have a ship's log, <clears throat> they're looking for, like, presumably i guess her ex would have been on the ship with her son which is why he may have been mentioned in the captain's log so here's my question to you when she's reading this captain's log trying to figure out where her son's been how the fuck did he not just go down with that ship why is the ship sunk why what are at that moment she has every reason to believe her, her son and ex are dead Because the boat is at the bottom of the damn ocean and she's reading a captain's log to find out the last place it was. It's like the last place it was is fucking wrecked at the bottom of the sea next to an active volcano. So how was that shipwreck not evident how was that shipwreck evidence that her son was still alive and not that he was dead and in the boat? Well, okay, so I thought that she was initially looking
0: to see if they took port anywhere to see if like maybe that's where the pearls went. Okay, okay. The son was the happy accident. That's how I read it. Okay, um, okay. But then also, then once the son appeared, and I was like, oh, I'd also drop that kid off at a port. He was annoying. And why? So maybe she knew that her son was annoying, and she's like, oh, he definitely would not keep that
1: kid on the boat any longer than he <laughs> had to. I'm sure that he mentioned where he left that child, because that oh, child was annoying. The reason they definitively find out where little boy Peter is is because there is a note that he wrote to his mother, presumably a letter, tucked yes. in the back of the log, Which was well, I was further like, wait, why do we know he didn't go down with the ship? If the letter he was going to send to his mom, if he got off the boat, wouldn't that have gone with him? If this is still on the ship, isn't that evidence that there's just, like, corpses at the bottom of the sea? Or did he just, like, did Dad just down the ship out of spite? Because it doesn't sound like there's any, like, bodies on board. What? How? How is this a key to his survival and not the certainty of his demise? Well, Jordan, because... (laughs) And hear Amanda me out on this.
0: Amanda
1: hates me, hear me this out on episode. This one. What? <laughs> I said Amanda hates me this episode.
0: I don't hate you. I have absolutely no explanation for any of these things. <laughs> My because was going to be because, Jordan, reasons. Okay. Okay. That's, it- that's all. I just want to make sure I much, didn't miss something. As much logic in this as there was in any of it. Like why why any of it? Why did there have to be a saloon girl on this boat? Like why? Who cares? I don't know. Why did she introduce herself to everybody with all of her her <laughs> occupations? <laughs> Who knows? None <laughs> of it makes sense. It was in like there were so many parts of this movie that I was like, "Well, why" <laughs> that the noise, not- that high-pitched noise that the that the that they heard on the boat, that was the sound of all reason just being
1: flung <laughs> yeah. out the window, she jettisoned into space. Yeah. So when she has now that she has the log, she has the letter. She realizes that her son is on, uh, is on maybe another part of like the Indonesian archipelago. Yeah. And like, and so Captain Chris is like, we're gonna go get him. So then suddenly. All of these treasure hunters are now roped into a child-finding expedition that they have absolutely no issue with. They're all super cool
0: with it. No one cares. No one asks or thinks twice. And no one's like, okay, so when do we go back home? Nobody. It's all kind of, nobody, nobody even asks. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to keep rerouting. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go find this 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 woman, the crazy woman's
1: child. <laughs> she lied to us about all this, but I trust her now. Yeah, the pearls weren't there, but I'm sure the child will be. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the moment, finally, when Krakatoa starts erupting with them right next to it. And Mm -hmm. they, was it just me? Or should they have been taking that boat, sailing in a totally opposite direction from what they were doing, instead of seemingly, as this volcano was going up, Sailing directly in to like the danger zone by going through like tiny straits between rocks, it's like, no, just get away from the island. why do, why are you are you sailing into danger right now? as lava know. bombs are hitting the ship and everything's catching on fire. and my only rooting interests are for the free diving women and Toshi yeah. Toshi, awful awful choice gives her life for Leon Cavallo. They had one conversation, and then she runs into the middle of danger and gets totally wiped out by a lava bomb. Just
0: I know it was. I was out. I was sad to see her go, and like unnecessarily so. Why did she? Like, we don't get many deaths in this movie, and it yeah. sucked that she was one of the few. Yeah. Um, I would. Yeah. I would. I would guess maybe like again using hand waving logic. Maybe it would have been nice if they had mentioned that like we have to go closer to the island first because we have to take a specific route to avoid coral or something along those lines. Anything, and I, anything. anything. Any explanation for why that happened? Um, as it was, I was like, no one seems to be moving the boat particularly fast or with no. any sense of urgency. There's no. no yelling about, like, take it out the starboard port side. No, I don't know boat terms. I don't know. Neither did they, Amanda. Neither did they. So, yeah, there was no no real sense of urgency. There was a lot of, like, standing around and being upset um, and <laughs> occasionally shrieking. Yeah, and poor
1: man. Like, she didn't even get to dive for pearls. No, she didn't. And she was, I was the, they were the only people I was rooting for on that boat. And she was, like, one of two featured deaths in the entire movie.
0: Yeah. Now, that was, that was a bummer. And then they get to the island that they think that they're, that they're going to find the sun on. And that island's completely destroyed. Yeah, it has been
1: raised by the volcanic eruption.
0: Yeah, Um, and everything is burning. And
1: then they're like, oh, all the boats left already. And then they they, they stumble across. They hail a passing ship where Captain Chris has, like, a big, fun, old-timey bullhorn. And he's like, where are the children from the school? And they're like, they left on a boat earlier. Yeah, and then then they find the boat. It's filled with children. And the boat (laughs) is taking
0: on water because children can't steer a boat. (laughs) <laughs> and then he's like look and they look and they find like the one Anglo child and the one Anglo yes. child is her son and then all the children are saved and well in my my, Peter,
1: my favorite like, like
0: when Laura oh, is
1: screaming Peter 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 getting so excited to see his mom jumps in the water maybe apparently not knowing how to swim as he immediately cries out for help and has to be rescued yeah. iconically. It's like, kid, no, get out of the water. What What are you doing? Terrible child. <laughs> Ter-
0: terrible mother, terrible child.
1: Let's yes. be real here. Mother yeah, her like, awful. I, like, are we now going to cut to the part in the movie where Laura explains to her son why she just, like, walked out on him, the, like, left him the first time and let her dad take him? We're not going to, no, fine, okay. We,
0: we're we also going to miss the part entirely where she explains to her son that her dad is dead, but don't his dad is dead, but don't worry, you have a new daddy. So <laughs> that didn't happen either. <laughs>
1: Like, which brings a happy
0: us happy family, but I,
1: I did, uh, sorry, brings us no, to no, 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 you, I,
0: I think that I was going to say the thing that you said it brings us to, which is finding Travis's special
1: treasure chest <laughs> <laughs> and Travis is uh, presumably Laura's husband. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This, Oh my God. This just, I, my jaw hit the floor when this happened because like, Peter gets on the boat, like, they're taking people's belongings from the little, like, lifeboat, um, like, the the sort of refugees of the island. They're mm-hmm. getting their belongings on the boat with them, and they find this, you know, beautiful chest, and it, you know, like, old, leathery, nice, and it's, like, rustic-looking. And, <laughs> you know, it would be, like, an heirloom, maybe family heirloom. It says Travis on it, embossed in, like, the leather. And so they get it, and, um... Dad Borghese, Giovanni Borghese, sees it and kind of gives it this little side-eye. It was either one of the Borghese's, it was either Leon Cavallo or, or Giovanni, sees it and kind of gives it this side-eye where it was like, oh, is the next twist going to be that there's going to be a fight over the pearls and somebody to try and steal them? No, they just take them down below deck. But Peter is on the deck of the boat, little boy, probably seven, I don't know, six, getting toweled off because he's soaking wet from swimming, and... Captain Chris looks at him and says, like, Peter, take your chest down below so you we can see what you brought us. It's like, wait a fucking second. We just went from recovering shipwrecked treasure to robbing a child. <laughs> Is what we're doing now? See what you brought us? Oh, no, no. Peter did not inherit this wealth from his father and take it off a burning island where he was surely going to perish without fleeing to a leaky boat, only to get on another boat and have his new daddy tell him, let's see what you brought us, my boy, and we're gonna split this treasure five ways that suddenly doesn't belong to you anymore. I was like, you son of a bitch. Okay, so I,
0: I mean, I at that point was completely just like, sure, why not? But I, <laughs> I agree with you. I'm um, gonna say, yes, am I wrong? Here. No, you're not. You're not. I just was like, once I got to the part, once I saw a literal treasure chest yes. that had a name basically bedazzled onto it. Yes, it was very weird. It was was done, like, the name was done in rivets. Like, it (laughs) it was really, it was really elaborate. And I had a little moment of, like, is that just going to be filled with, like, kids' toys? Like, what
1: is,
0: (laughs) like, it looked like the sort of treasure chest that a child has. Yeah. And then I had to take a moment to be like, oh, right. Treasure chests came from real people holding treasures in them. Right, right. They're not children's toys. But... I also want to know, why did Travis entrust Priceless amounts
1: of pearls with his six-year-old son who's gone been sent to live in a convent. I think our I only think answer is that dad's gotta be dead at this point. He died on the ship, it was wrecked, he had to be rescued from the kind locals, and no, he, but he wrote a he wrote a letter to his
0: mom being like, I'm gonna be I'm getting dropped off at this school, and I hope that you someday come to visit me.
1: So the school was a I plan. Think it got wrecked before he could officially get dropped off, and he ended up where he was supposed to go, but the letter got left behind when the ship got wrecked I, and dad no. died.
0: I don't think that's, I think that the dad dropped the son off and was like, peace kid, have fun. By the way, here's a treasure chest full of priceless, because like, otherwise the child, what, is like, oh no, dad is dying. I'm going to take this treasure chest with me. That's a very crafty (laughs) six-year-old.
1: Maybe he just, maybe it's his, maybe he knows it's really special and important to his dad because of course the treasure chest of pearls would be. And so it was the one keepsake that he took with him off the boat. I don't think that a six-year-old can haul that thing off the boat. (laughs) That's like, probably just, true.
0: It, I think it was just, I, I think the dad must've left the son with it. And then the son was like, okay, we're taking the pearls. I don't know. I wow. don't know how it ends up happening. Wow. I was actively like angry regardless. Not so much that they were taking all the presents, the presents, that they were taking all the pearls. <laughs> <laughs> I was angry that they were taking the pearls. I was, ang- I was more angry that I was like, you know what? No, this should not be rewarded. This happy accident should not be rewarded. It didn't no. work well in the end for anyone. Like, no, she didn't know that she was going to no. find it. That if you found the son, you would find the pearls. You guys it didn't know so any of this.
1: Bullshit. And you're all going to act like, oh, we did it on... Like, no, the captain should lose his share. <laughs> that was... I mean, mom should be like, oh, wait, no, this changes everything. This belongs to my son. You people who I've never fucking met before... Don't get to have his pearls, his inheritance. The mom, the, the mom was not. The mom barely cares about the son. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, she just all. She so the mom, mom did not care. About the screaming son Peter me. did not a mother
0: make. No, she just screamed Peter a bunch because it was a chance for her to be like to have attention on her. I feel like that's the kind of mom she was. It
1: is. It was. It was the lost Walt. where's my <laughs> boy. I want my son back, Walt was that it was all yeah, it was it was very much that well yeah, this was... this then flings us into the final disaster of the movie which is the tsunami what is it somebody says somebody says i think it's the ship's captain says i think captain chris says tidal wave and then one of the freediver women who's like yeah. still wrapped in a towel on the side of like down in like the sort of commissary area of the boat just shouts tsunami yeah <laughs> it's like thank you for your contribution and this this is this, the choices that followed at this moment were so weird because their odds are not good. Like, this tsunami's gonna bear down on them hard, and Captain Chris is like, if we get to deep enough water, this is the only moment he actually seems competent in the film. He's like, if yeah. we get to deep enough water, we stand a chance, we gotta hightail it right now, and this makes sense coming from Connerly because he's such a curmudgeonly bastard, and he's like, I'm going to port in Anger, and- Captain Chris is like, I can't stop you. But as the captain, it's my duty to try and convince you to stay here because you're just going to be you're going to be destroyed in under like that tidal wave is going to bury that island in 100 feet of water. You're not going to make it, at least on the boat. We have a chance. And for some reason, for some reason in that moment, besides Laura and the captain, everybody, Laura, the captain and Leon Carvalho, Carvalho everybody in the ensemble cast that has been with us the entire movie and managed to sur- like survive lava bombs and other disasters decides to get off the boat and go to port in Angere where they think they're just going to ride out this tsunami what in fairness, the shit would you, that? you trust the opinions of this dude i would trust the boat as a floating object more than i would trust the captain himself okay cuz
0: yeah i i, I I don't which know which be with say, Leon
1: Cavallo in that regard, where the the dad says like yeah. this it's boat ma- it's like a, a matchstick. Ma- it's yeah. a matchstick, and he says a match will float. And I was like, that's the fucking thing here. Yeah. Like, if nothing else, if this boat can weather it, maybe you end up on a lifeboat. Maybe there are life preservers on board. There are objects here that result in you maybe being able to float, salvage to the surface, as opposed to just being on land and drowning as the force of a tsunami wipes you out and debris destroys you from like the surrounding village.
0: I'm not saying it's the choice I'd make. I'm just saying I almost am like, well, maybe if they were like, wow, he's screwed up at every turn, it might be time for us to get the hell off this boat. And like, if he decides to go on
1: another random journey to go find like her dog, that was lost. Yeah. Like who knows? <laughs> well, and it, it like, I got it like Con- Connerly being like, you know, why would I listen to you? It's like, well, you are the drug addict on this ship. So that's rich coming from you. But it made sense because he was such a contrarian and he didn't like captain and they had, they had conflict. But yeah. then Giovanni Borghese was like, I'm getting off the boat too. I was like, wait, 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 what the shit are you getting off the boat for? And here, here's where I think my theory about them being paramours bears out because a father is not going to leave his fucking son. He's like, Giovanni's like, come on, Leo Carallo we got to get to shore so we can survive. And they get in this fight and Leon Carvalho is like, trust me, dad, just trust me this one time. And he says, he basically says to him like, yeah, okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Like he hugs his son, gives him the share of the pearls, like gives him the bag. And then is going to get off the boat, get in a lifeboat without his son and go die on on no way like the son yells to him have it written down says I don't which also lovers quarrel says I don't want to die with you I want us to live together and is and Giovanni shouts at Leon Cavallo I hoped something would happen a word or a gesture that would bind us together for the rest of our lives I was like this is very romantic and also, you are bound together for the rest of your lives. You are allegedly father and son. And then you left him anyway? You you organized maybe this whole expedition so you would have this amazing bonding moment that would make you best friends, father, son, forever. And then you suddenly decide to leave your child behind and either leave him to die so you can live, or just go to die and let him live on his own. Bullshit. Okay. Shit. I saw their relationship totally differently. I saw like it was a tense relationship
0: where father and son didn't like each other from the beginning. Mm. Um there clearly like is a degree of estrangement I felt like in their relationship. Um, or the son like feels there there was some sort of a tension in their relationship that I kept seeing throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And I fully believed that the father would leave his son on oh. the boat. Totally bought it. And, you know, another famous parent who's left their child. <laughs> Laura, Rose's Rose's mom in Titanic.
1: <laughs> I mean, Rose's mom was a known asshole. Like we, that woman but, was a bitch. And the first introduction that we get to the father and to
0: to to Leon and his dad is Leon's about to enter the boat, and his dad sticks his cane, his walking stick out, <laughs> stops him and says, your father should go first, or something like that, or like, age goes first, uh-huh. and cuts his son off in the walk, and enters the boat first. <laughs> the dad was kind of a
1: dick. Like, I mean, the dad was kind I of won't a dick. dispute it. I'm not here to defend Giovanni Borghese. He,
0: Giovanni also is like, oh, isn't it beautiful? And, or, well, something is something beautiful. I can't remember if he's like, maybe he said the land was, or like, the prospect of making money is beautiful. I don't remember. And Leon's response is Rome was beautiful. Leon Mm -hmm. is not happy to be there. No, no. And so I fully think this was like an estranged or a strained father-son relationship And that the father was like, I'm hey, if you want to die on this boat, that's fine, but I've got a lot of life left to live. And he gets on the (laughs) he gets on the lifeboat and his son is like, I wanted this to be our time to get his the son is also wants to be with his father. Yeah. And his father's like, Nope,
1: sorry. I thought that we'd have something (laughs) here, but thought we
0: were gonna bond (laughs) instead of leave you to die.
1: I thought we had something here, son and I, but I guess we don't. Yeah. So yeah, I, I fully 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 was on board with that. Like I, I didn't question it. I was like,
0: yeah, that dad sucks. This is this is a another terrible
1: father. And what that leads to, obviously, is the boat makes it to shore in Anger, and immediately upon hitting the beach, their only thing they can do is run away, is run away yeah. from the water. And we don't see the end of Giovanni Borghese, but we see Connorly and Charlie running for kind of as long as they can until, and before they get off the boat, Charlie's like, I don't think we should go. And Connolly's like, no, come on, come on, don't worry. Come on, come on. And of course, yeah. drags were fucking death. So they get on the beach, They get on the, the island. They're running away from the water. At a certain point, Connerly just decides, well, we're going to give over to Sweet Oblivion. Pulls her off to the side so they're not being like chased by people anymore. And just like they embrace as the wave takes them. And it's like, oh, really? Not even an apology, Connerly, for this utterly no. preventable death right now? Screw nope. you, man! And you just took those. He does, he's a man. He doesn't need to apologize. So our heroes on the boat make it all right. I remember when Charlie, when they found Peter, I was like, "There are 20 minutes left in this movie. What the hell else could possibly happen?" Well, tsunami. And yeah, so I was. I
0: everything. was actually grateful that we did find a thing. I was like, "Oh," because I had that same question when I saw that. When when I saw that we had gotten through the volcano erupting fairly uneventfully and i was just like well what do we have left to do and so i was so (laughs) glad that they found a way to to fill that time sufficiently
1: this movie had tricks up its sleeve and yeah no
0: and yeah no it just granted go for it oh i said grant it had tricks up its sleeve it's just that it kept on the tricks were always remarkably unimpressive it's like when you go if you were going to a magic show and then (laughs) like, and now i'm gonna do this and then he does the thing where you like hit your hands back and forth and make, a, <laughs> and, like, make your index finger pop up. <laughs> or like, he walks up to you and he like, plays Got Your Nose and you're like, how yeah. is that? <laughs> how, is, how is Got Your Nose a magic trick? Like, you didn't make my nose disappear.
1: That's the kind of level of tricks up their sleeve that this movie had. And so that takes us to the end. The boat survives. Um, Leon Carvalho quickly uh, metabolizes the death of his father uh, <laughs> and uh, adopts a small Indonesian child, uh, yeah, seemingly. Just the, sing, it, yeah, it just, it kind of just takes
0: the child. <laughs> yeah, like there's what? just this crying right. girl, and he just starts singing <laughs> to her, and then all of a sudden, it's like she he hates her it, dad. I guess. She hates it. Yeah, she doesn't. The singing doesn't soothe her. <laughs> it does not. The and uh, just sort of
1: keeps her keeps her crying, and that that brings us to the end of Krakatoa, East of Java. Yeah, so Amanda, what was this Academy Award nominated film about? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I have been I have been trying to think of what this movie was really about and it's uh-huh. such a it's truly the octopus in his dreams of what it's about. <laughs> it has a bunch of limbs. They're this movie is around. a cat-
1: Screaming octopus. Yeah.
0: It's got a bunch of limbs. It's flailing around. And it's making an a natural sound that it never makes in the wild. Like, none of this makes sense. Um, I, I I really, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what this movie was really about. Like, I kind of was like, maybe it's about, like, colonization. But no. It's not right. about anything. Yeah. It's not about, because there's, it's about why you shouldn't go pearl diving by a volcano. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like for me, this movie at a at a technical level is about an utter failing of cinema. And yeah. it just, I mean, movie in the loosest sense of the word. Yeah. I guess... And it, 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 again,
0: it, it's, it's like they wanted to make a movie, this drama about, like, the interpersonal relationships that happen on a boat, but then they couldn't yeah. get approval... For financing unless they added in
1: a spectacle.
0: And they're like, fine, we'll have a volcano. I yeah,
1: guess. I guess. I guess I, I'm gonna go with this movie is about the horrors of addiction. Oh, interesting. In the okay. literal, uh, the literal vessel in this case of Connerly, the Laudanum addict. Because we have there are multiple occasions where where other characters tell him expressly, like, you gotta lay off the laudanum, not the laudanum. Like it was almost like Was laudanum a huge problem in 1968? So they wanted to work in like an anti-laudanum PSA into this movie because it was so specifically intervening about his laudanum problem. Even the convict who murdered a guy and was going to state mutiny was like, oh man, you got to get off that stuff. (laughs) Like, I've seen that. I've seen too much of that before. But also you have the addiction. You have, you know, the codependency of Laura and Captain Chris. You have this sort of like addiction to interpersonal drama and trauma and cyclical abuse. You have the addiction to sort of the idea of treasure, the addiction to sort of money and power and privilege that leads an aimless captain to go deep sea, go, go shipwreck diving next to an active volcano, a famous volcano. You have, who else do I have? You have, you have, you have Giovanni Borghese, who is just like seemingly forsaken a relationship with his? Let's go with son if we're yeah. going to the canon. Forsaken a relationship with his son to like I don't know pursue a life of ballooning and treasure hunting, and not caring for the relationship with like his only loving boy. I I, I will I will go I will go with that very tenuous connection of the insidiousness of addiction and its transformative ability to make us shells of ourselves and creatures of our basest impulses. I like it. I like it. I'll go with Boom. that. Sure. I'll go with that. Yeah, Can we that totally... even, how do we even recast this?
0: Oh, I've got this one.
1: Okay, all right. Yeah,
0: this one, I the, honestly, the fantasy casting for me was the easiest part. Okay.
1: Because or, um, are you going to it in the era? Or are you going to update it to the present?
0: I'm going to update it to the present.
1: Okay. So I'm updating it to the present. Um, or maybe like the 70s. I don't know,
0: but probably like okay. the present. Okay. Oh. And, uh, you know, there was this little movie that we watched toward the beginning of, of our podcast, Jordan. A little film called The Hurricane Heist. Yes! And, yes! Uh, I don't know if you H- remember Maggie what, Grace! Was, what we mentioned back during The Hurricane Heist. But uh, the director Rob Cohen, oh yeah, said that if they ever did a sequel, well, I think we could go to Hawaii to be with the volcano. Volcano <laughs> heist would be a very interesting movie to make. He's not so wrong. What I'm saying he's not wrong. I'm not fantasy casting. I'm fantasy hiring. <laughs> Rob Cohen, remake this movie. Oh, okay. okay. Sure. Agent Maggie Grace can be in it. -hmm, Toby mm -hmm. Keebler can be in it. Ryan Quanton can be in it. Uh, I would say that Toby Keebler and Ryan Quanton, as the brothers have now moved to like the island of Java. Uh, Oh sure. Oh they would. They would. They would. They would. Um because you know it's far enough away from hurricanes and they're they're escaping the skull faces. Maybe they stepped a couple thousand, hundred thousand dollar bills down their pants. uh, (laughs) like at the end of Too Fast Like at the end of Too Fast Too Furious kind of thing. Totally. Um and Agent Maggie Grace comes to find them because she's gotten word about a U.S. shipment of pearls that's gone down by Krakatoa. And they have to get onto the smuggler's boat Mm. and the smuggler captain, who in this case would be Jason Statham. Oh, Um, God.
1: Amazing.
0: Jason Statham's boat. He's going to, and so they have to, Toby Keebler pretends that he is, says that he's like a a weather guy. He is a weather guy. Um, And he specializes in ocean currents. And Ryan Quantin <laughs> claims that he is a deep sea diver. Right, he would. And yeah, and Maggie Grace goes on as uh, as, as Ryan Quantin's fake breeze's fake girlfriend, even though she's <laughs> in, a thing, in a thing with um, Toby Keebler. Mm-hmm. And they go and they have to infiltrate the boat and stop the pearl heist. So that's. I love the idea of a pearl heist. A
1: pearl heist sounds great.
0: Yeah, so this is this is Volcano Heist. That's how I'm fantasy casting this one. And having just binge watched all of the Fast and Furious movies for the first time <laughs> in my life, <laughs> I gotta say, Woo! I, would watch the, Hell yeah. I would
1: watch the shit out of this movie that I just created. Woo! Do you have uh before I get into it, do you have a favorite Fast and the Furious install? Fast and Furious five. Okay. You like it um, when it picks the height. Answer.
0: I I love I love a getting the team together montage and the minute that they started the getting the team together montage I was in and I just I love a good heist movie I love being
2: Fast Five is the Ocean's Eleven of of uh, it's so good
0: (laughs) yeah it's so good it's so so fun I was in I did actually at the end of watching all of them and Hobbs and Shaw I did rank them and then I compared them to your rankings Jordan. Uh huh. And we generally speaking fell in line, plus or minus one or two.
1: Okay.
0: Like yeah. you, I know you don't like Tokyo
1: five. Drift like I like. Like, I, and I, that you wasn't even high Tokyo for me. Drift. But you didn't rank it high. I know brackets. it's not high, but I I spiritually feel better about it than you do.
0: Uh, yeah, I did not. I did not enjoy Tokyo Drift particularly um, until I I liked it at the end when we got the Vin, the the Dom cameo, and I was like, fine, I guess it's worth it. And then when they <laughs> tied it, when they retroactively tied it back in. Then I was like, "Okay, fine."
1: <laughs> I don't know
0: how Tokyo now in this timeline has flip phones,
1: but sure, but sure.
0: Um, and somehow Sean in fa- in Too Fast, Too Furious ages fourteen years for when Dom finishes the conversation after the race. But sure. Anyway, so yeah, so that's that's how I feel about. Uh, I just I loved I loved every moment of watching these movies, except for when Han dies. Anyway, Jordan. So, how, do you think that you would fantasy cast this one, or would you just leave it to die at the volcano?
1: Like, I mean, into I, the I would okay, leave like? it. I would leave it to die at the volcano for the most part. But like, I feel like I just want to take advantage of putting some names together. So like, why not? For I'm going to stunt cast yeah. mm-hmm. the the diver. I'm going to stunt cast Connorly and Charlie. And he's he's not going to be a drug addict in this one because he's going to be okay. Jason, He's going to be Jason Statham. And he, true to bio, will have a a history as a competitive um, high diver. Yes. True true to the biography of the state. And Charlie is actually going to be Rosie Huntington-Whitley. Yeah. Okay. Charlie is going to be Rosie Huntington-Whitley. And they're going to have a beautiful relationship. Because they have a beautiful relationship. I think for, you know, to keep it. To keep it stunt casty, for the captain it's gonna be Holland Taylor, and then for Laura it's gonna be Sarah Paulson.
0: Oh my God, you're just doing the best Hollywood couples. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm
1: just, I'm just, I'm just making this. I'm just making this best Hollywood couples. I'm just making this best Hollywood couples. And so then before, so then, okay, naturally for the Borgeses. Oh no, it's gonna be Denzel and John mm-hmm. David Washington. Okay. It's going to be father, son, Denzel, nice. and John David okay. Washington. I like it. And I suddenly really like the idea of seeing them act together in a movie. I think that would be some powerful stuff. The magnetic I think this,
0: smiles on the two of them.
1: I think this needs to be, like, just totally as insane as possible and make it a Softie Brothers movie directing these people. So it's just like a frantic, never-stops-moving <laughs> Nice. A fair on the high seas in a rolling series of catastrophes.
2: And not a single white or yellow light in the entire movie.
1: (laughs) Nothing. Nothing.
2: Entirely blue lights, red lights, green lights. (laughs) Everyone's face looks like it's in the middle of a nightclub. (laughs)
0: That's what what light looks like on the high
1: sea. Not many people know that. Yeah. Yeah. The lights on the high, you know, the famous lights on the high seas. Yeah. it's,
2: Mm -hmm. It's all the northern lights, actually.
1: Yeah. And then I guess then for. For, uh, there will be two convicts leading the mutiny instead of one, and it's going to be Ansel Elgort and Miles Teller. Oh, and yeah. they will get fire-hosed off the deck <laughs> by Holland Taylor herself. <laughs> and for the beautiful, uh, kind of twinkie, Perler, Rig- R- Rigley, Ridgley, forget his name, uh-huh. Um, yeah. we will go with... Uh, we're gonna go with Barry. We're gonna go with Barry Keegan, the or Barry. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pronounced uh, Barry from Keegan. Dunkirk. Uh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's
2: either Keegan or Kogan. I can't quite tell with Irish yeah, names.
1: Yeah, Keegan or Kogan. Um, and he just has. I'm gonna make that a more wily character, and he can have mm-hmm. some good wily energy about him. So that's who I'm going with for that, because I just want to okay. see him in more things. So that is my roundout. That is a Poseidon Adventure of a Who's Who. It is it it takes it to that Poseidon adventure yeah. actual ensemble level, oh my god, that sounds that sounds great. That's a press tour I want to see. yeah, I paired off interviews Sarah. with the
0: pairs. I want Sarah Paulson to be on a press tour with um what's her name anyway?
1: yeah, yeah, nope, that would be that would be a true delight. And yeah. I want to see Rosie Huntington, Whitley, and Jason Statham just talking to each other and and gazing at one another, my favorite Hollywood couple. Alright, so Jordan, are you giving this any towering infernos? Does I, this get I'll, even one? Commute? I will give it one. I will give it one for its Academy Award nominated special effects. This gets one star, which I think for me puts it lower than megafault.
0: Yeah, I think it does. I yeah, I gotta, I mean, I I would maybe go, I'm gonna go one point five. Just because it wasn't it wasn't so abysmal that I was like angry as I was watching it. Um right. my reaction wasn't quite so visceral. <laughs> But it definitely wasn't good. It wasn't one where I was like, Yeah, let's let's watch this again ever in my life. <laughs> um so yeah. yeah, I would I would go one point five and and say that if you didn't watch it in advance of this
1: movie, if listening to this podcast, don't don't have to. Watch Volcano yeah. again. What I you think you thought, I think I mean a better movie than this is even I always forget the name of the one with the plane and the volcano. Airplane versus Airplane volcano. Versus volcano. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the thing is the things in the name. I know. I, I, it, the, the word is in the definition, and I still can't do it. But what what then, Amanda, do we have on deck after this real barn burner that we've just discussed? Yeah.
0: So next week, we um, are going with a Korean film. Yes. It is, so we're doing, we're going to start getting into some kind of repeat plots here, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because, like, everyone reinterprets things in their own way, and we are going to be reinterpreting The Towering Inferno through the lens of the Korean film The Tower. It was released in 2012. Yes. Um, It is available on Amazon Prime, so you can rent it. And it... Who knows? I picked Krakatoa East of Java last week. That didn't work out.
1: Hopefully this will be better. I mean, it was necessary. It was necessary. We had to cover this. Um, You Mm -hmm. said you were uh thinking about what what actors in this we might be familiar with american audiences it does co-star kim song kyung who has also been in the movie memories of murder by um south korean all-star filmmaker bong juno and so yeah check out let's check out the tower together and let us revel in some south korean genre cinema because those guys yeah. do i they, i have complete faith in them it's such a wonderful tradition of, uh, of cinema coming out of South Korea. I, I am so excited to dive into this.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, this would be kind of, I, I can't wait to see their version of The Towering Inferno. Yeah. So, guys, uh, Jordan, where can we find you on Twitter? Yes, yeah, so you can find me at JorCrew, J O R C R U. I'm at Amanda R. and that's Tubbs with two B's. Jason?
2: Yeah, I'm at Jason Halftones.
0: And that's on all platforms for him. So follow him on Instagram if you want to see his uh, your comic book, right?
2: Oh, yeah. I've uh, got some, some pages coming out, a little comic. I'm writing and drawing one page at a time with no idea where I'm going. But it does involve space, dinosaurs, right. and vlogging. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Two of my favorite things. <laughs> and you're you're all in social isolate social isolation. So what better what better time than now to take mm-hmm. ganders at that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And uh,
0: you can find the
1: podcast we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're
0: disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Um please, if you haven't already, as we ask every week, please rate and review us. Um, we have 31 ratings and some reviews, and it would be great if we could get that up a little higher. That would, you know. Uh, definitely raise our spirits as we enter our third or fourth week of just yeah. staring at our own houses.
2: Yeah, hook we us up. Love that.
0: Come on, guys. Feel that, can have that human connection by reading <laughs> yeah. and reviewing us.
2: What else it's are true. you doing? You're stuck at home. You might as well drop a review. That's true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you Think of what a great way it is to procrastinate when you're on a Zoom call. You know what? When you're on your next Zoom conference call, <laughs> tell all your colleagues about this great podcast you've been listening to. There you yeah, go. exactly. Yeah.
2: It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a great like icebreaker. The Zoom calls, it's really awkward at first oftentimes. So if you start it like, hey, anyone listening to any great podcasts? And then no one will really know that that's actually just sort of like a faint disguised effort at um, getting them to allow you to tell them about the podcast you're listening to and that you don't really care about their <laughs> recommendations. Um, but that's human behavior.
0: Yeah, just do it. <laughs> just, just, do it. Behavior. Lean, just lean right into it. We yeah. Be our best promos, because we're certainly not going to be. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, so we'll see you back next week for The Tower. All right. Thanks for hey. tuning in, everybody. Thanks. Have a good night, guys.
2: Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.